Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, good morning, and uh, this morning we're going to continue our series called Hope Overflowing. And the key scripture, the main scripture for this series has been Romans chapter 15, verse 13, which says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, this series has come about from God speaking clearly to me about what he wants to say to us at Gateway Church at this moment in time. And you can catch up with all the previous messages in this series on our podcast, gatewaychurchcamry.co.uk forward slash media. And in the last two messages, we, we began looking at the content of our hope, what the thing that we're actually hoping for, the things that we're hoping for as Christians. And we saw that, the first of all, is the second coming of Jesus. And then secondly, last week, we looked at the redemption of our earthly bodies. And today we're going to continue to focus on what we're hoping for. Um, today's answer is found, it's taken from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. And it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who let himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have the penalty to pay. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know, we can see in this letter, we can see even in this passage here, that Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And we can see that Paul, he's angry. You know, verse 12 is for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know, it's very strong language. But, but who are these people? What have they done? And why is Paul so angry? Well, according to verse 7, there are some people who are hindering the believers in Galatia from obeying the truth. They were pers- uh, trying to persuade these believers in Galatia, uh, Galatia of something that, that was not from God, as it says in verse 8. And what they were trying to do, these group of people, they were trying to bring the, the believers back under a yoke of bondage after Jesus had set them free. And specifically, that meant they were trying to put on them a burden to keep the Mosaic law in in order to earn a righteous standing or to be made right in the presence of God. They were saying that they had to obey this law if they were to be right with God. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, Paul makes clear what what these troublemakers are trying to do. He says, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh 
are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they might boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So here are a group of people in the churches of Galatia who are pushing this Jewish requirement of circumcision on the male Gentile Christians. And Paul's problem with this, the reason he's so angry with this, is not that circumcision was a bad thing back in those days in that time. You know, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16 verse 3 that he had had circumcised Timothy for strategic missionary reasons. But his problem wasn't the fact of circumcision, but his problem was that the motive behind the requirement for circumcision was all wrong. Basically, Paul was angry because this group of people wanted the men in, in Galatia to be circumcised. For the wrong motive. It was it was totally opposed to, to the meaning of Christ's cross and, and to the freedom of grace. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the cross means an end, the end of all boasting and anything that we can do. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, he took the punishment that we deserved. He made the way possible that we could be saved. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. The Bible says in, in Romans that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. It says that our righteousness is like filthy rags before a holy God. There's nothing we can do. And you know, when Jesus went to the cross, it ends the, it brought about the end of all boasting and anything we can do. But this group of people in Galatia, they were, they were a group of people who were making circumcision, making circumcision a ground for boasting. The, the way that they treated circumcision, it drew attention to, to their religious ability and their performance. And not to God's free grace. They thought they could perform their way to to a right standing with God. uh, That if they acted religiously, if they knew the law, if they obeyed the law and they, you know, went to the synagogue every every week, you know, and they prayed and done all these different things, they were that would uh, earn them right standing before God. And then that meant that they wouldn't rely on God's free gift of grace. And nothing made Paul more angrier than than people trying to earn right standing with God based on religious tasks and performance instead of receiving this incredible gift of God's grace. But you know, right in the middle of this argument, this dispute, Paul says something that, that is incredibly encouraging to imperfect believers like you and me. Because we are imperfect of ourselves. We all, there's times where we do mess up. But it is through the blood of Jesus that we've been cleansed and forgiven, completely forgiven and set free from sin in our lives. And it says, this is what he says, I love what he says in, in Romans chapter 5 verse 5. He says, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. He gives this verse as a way of life there that is totally opposed to the way that these divisive people in Galatia were living and the, the life they were trying to promote. And so I want us to look at briefly at four things in this verse. Number one, righteousness is a future hope. You know, being righteous, it literally means to be right or blameless before God. The Bible tells us that righteousness is a hope and it's not a full present reality. You know, very probably the legalists in Galatia, they were teaching people that they had to live perfect lives. They were saying that if they obeyed strictly the Mosaic ceremonial law, that, that they could go beyond the basics of faith and, and that would make them perfect, that, that, that they would be perfected in righteousness. And we can see in Galatians, see this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, 
where Paul asks the believers, he says, Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? You know, the two words used here for begin and end are the same used in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, He who began a good work in you will finish it or will bring it to a completion at the end of at the end at the day of Jesus Christ. And and that's the meaning behind these words here in Galatians chapter 3 verse 3. You know, this is what the legalists were saying. They were saying that it's fine to begin the Christian life by trusting in Jesus for our salvation. But if you want to be completed in righteousness, if you want to be perfect before God, then you need to go beyond just believing in Jesus and you need to do some works in order to earn right standing with God, starting off with the men being circumcised. So in Paul's opposition to this in, in verse, chapter 5, verse 5, he boldly says that there'll be no perfection in this life. He says the full and perfect righteousness lies in the future. It is our hope right now and not, and not our possession. He's saying one day we'll be perfect, the other side of eternity, but this this side we won't be. And that's the first thing that, that he's trying to bring out in verse 5 there. Uh, and this should stop us from falling into the trap of judging ourselves as, as hopeless because we have not yet become perfect. You know, we've not attained our righteousness that we long for. It should encourage us. We'll never be perfect this side of eternity. But through Jesus, what he has done, we are forgiven, we are cleansed, and we daily we confess and we, we get our lives right with God. And because of what Jesus has done, because of his righteousness, we are saved. Number two. He says that this righteousness, is uh, living for this righteousness, looking forward to that day, it's a, that it's a life of eager waiting. Is that this present life is a life, of, a life of waiting and eager waiting. Verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. You know, the word for wait here is exactly the same one used in the last messages text in Romans chapter 8.23. There Paul says that not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await for the adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. He says that we Christians groan because we have to wait for new bodies. When in Galatians chapter 5 verse 5, it says the same things about our moral conditions, of our spirit that the Romans chapter 8 23 says about the physical condition of our bodies. You know, we wait for the hope of righteousness and we should understand that that there is groaning, there is frustration, there is disappointment in ourselves while we wait. And you know, so often we, we, we join with Paul in where he says in Romans chapter 7, 24, What a wretched man am I! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, this is a great comfort and encouragement, especially in this word here, wait. You know, the comfort is that the struggle with sin in this life, it's not a sign that we are lost. You know, perfection is not the test of a real spiritual life. Somebody goes around saying they're perfect, that doesn't mean they're holier than thou. It's not true. You know, we've all messed up, we all fail, and there's times where we will fall. But, you know, the Bible says when the, the righteous man falls seven times, you know, he gets up again. God lifts us up and it's the same for us. And that's great comfort for us who are saved and who still mess up. The encouragement is this, though. That we can't be disinterested with righteousness in this life, but we eagerly await for it. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be satisfied or they shall be filled. You know, we hunger for it as we wait. Now, this doesn't mean I'm not preaching super grace here. The, the, you know, just because we're waiting to be made perfect in the future that we can live any way we want now. I'm not preaching that at all. You know, it means actually as we wait for that day when we will be totally free from the struggle with sin and the things of this world. What it means is that we fight for it. We fight against sin. We're not content with sin. There's this struggle, there's this battle that goes on that we constantly fight in, that we constantly forgive, confessing and asking the Lord to forgive us and cleanse us. And there's this constant that we're not settling with sin. We're not perfect by any means, but we're not de- allowing sin to grow in our lives. Jesus has paid the price for our sin. We're free. We've forgiven. The power of sin in our lives has been broken. And now we're going to live after God. We're going to go wholeheartedly for him. And we're going to wait in eagerness for that day where we'll be completely perfect because of what Jesus has done. Number three, it is waiting by the Spirit. That's the third thing we learn from this passage, is that we wait by the Spirit. You know, it says, that it, it, it takes us back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So the point of chapter 5, verse 5, is to say that we wait for righteousness, but it's by we wait by the Spirit and not by our flesh, which means we wait by God's power and not our power. You know, we didn't begin this Christian life by relying on ourselves or depending on ourselves or our strength to save us. And the Bible also tells us that we were, you and I uh, would never wait for righteousness on our own. We couldn't do it. We fail, we give up, there's things that come into our lives that, you know, we can't do it by ourselves. But it is by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that we're able to wait. He allows us, he, he, he makes us wait for this righteousness that we will one day attain for. It makes us hope. He reminds us of this as to come. It is, it's by grace, it's by the grace of God. So what are we here to do? If we wait in by the Spirit, what are we here to do? The Bible says we, number four, the fourth thing, we are to wait by faith. And that's the, the human counterpart to this divine work of the Spirit. It's, it's faith. We're going to put our trust in God. Through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. You might say, what does this mean? Well, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21 gives us the meaning. Where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You know, as we come to a conclusion today, I want to remind us that that we are made right with God, not because of anything that we have done. We are saved not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. And I want to encourage us to look on what Jesus has done, to remind ourselves of the incredible love of God, how he came to save us from our sin, to rescue us so that we could be made clean, that we could be made new creations, that we could one day spend eternity with him. We need to constantly look at that. But also we need to look forward. We need to have that hope that one day we will be, there won't, won't be a struggle anymore. We will be saved. We will be righteous. And it's not because of our righteousness. It's because of the righteousness of Jesus. And I just want to end with these lyrics from the song Cornerstone by Hillsong. And it says this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest for him, but holy trust in Jesus' name.
Amen. I pray that this message would encourage you today. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.